Hello, everybody. This is Blake with the Science of Personality podcast, and the following is a live in-person interview Ryan and I conducted in Boston while attending the 2023 Society for Industrial and Organizational Psychology Annual Conference. We hope you enjoy this special episode, and we'll be back next week with another fun and informative full-length episode. Cheers, everybody. People are the most consequential and dangerous forces on Earth. Well, personality psychology is about the nature of human nature. It's about people. And wouldn't that be useful to know? I mean, it seems to me, I can't, I can't think of a more important problem. You're listening to the Science of Personality podcast, brought to you by Hogan Assessments, the global leader in personality assessment and leadership development since 1987. Your hosts are Hogan Chief Science Officer and world-renowned personality psychologist, Dr. Ryan Sherman, along with Hogan PR Manager and resident storyteller, Blake Lepp. Hello, everybody. This is Blake with the Science of Personality podcast, and we are here live at PSYOP. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Ryan Sherman. Say hello, Ryan. Hello, hello. And we're also joined today by Nikita Mikhailov. He is a chief neuroticism officer at Goodness of Psychology. <laughs> Another fun fact, he's also a stand-up comedian. So this conversation, we're actually going to merge those two professions. And with that, Nikita, I'm curious, can you tell us about the funny side of personality? Absolutely. Thank you so much for asking that question. I feel that in the world of psychometrics, even when people hear psychometrics, they don't think humor you know, it sounds a bit dry, right. but what do we try to measure? We're trying to measure the self-construct, the self-narrative people have about themselves and others. And that can be hilarious because I think that when we're going to talk about personal development and journeys and all that, the first step is usually not to take yourself too seriously uh. because how are you supposed to grow and develop as an individual if you're like completely this is me and this is who I will ever be. Uh, that's not a lot of room to maneuver or grow. And um, I've been working in psychometrics for 12 years now and personality assessments. And uh, whenever you go to presentations, etc., or workshops or even qualifications, they don't actually tell you about the value of humor. I'm not saying laugh at your clients. That's not the best way uh, but laugh with your clients maybe yes uh, and uh, it can be quite entertaining because if we look at psychometrics it's very tempting to take them at face value it's very tempted to take them as facts yeah. but it's just you know it's the best guess we have at this point in time and uh, I think a little bit of levity, a little bit of humor actually allows you to use psychometrics much more effectively, much more in fun ways. Like, for example, let's say Hogan Darkseid um, can, can be taken a bit seriously, but what does Bob himself say? You know, if you have non-derailers, you'll be forgotten. If you have all of them, you'll be fired. Uh, at least, you know, that, that has a little bit to it. Right. And so after 12 years, I think I scraped by maybe half an hour of comedy material, so the stand-up was born. So... That's the story. <laughs> That's pretty fun. Oh, well, first of all, I love the title, Chief Neuroticism mm -hmm. Officer. Uh, where does that... What, I mean, I've never seen a title like that. Where does that come from? Well, probably uh, my more mischievous side, <laughs> should I say. Uh, and, uh, yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, we share something in common. Uh, and that is the reason for it. I just saw so many chief happiness officers on LinkedIn. Okay. Got and it. I was saying, well, so much positive emotional affect. <laughs> and somebody needs to fly the flag for the negative emotional affect. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so why good. not become a chief neuroticism oh, officer? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a great title. So I, I know you did a session today yep. on, on humor and personality. We were doing other podcast recordings at the time, so I couldn't attend the session. So how did it go? How, how, you know, how was the, how was the uh, audience reacting there? Well, thank you for asking. Um, it's interesting because um, it kind of grew and grew and grew. We expected maybe 20, 30 people, you know, geeky, personality. Yeah. 800 people registered. Wow. Hundreds turned up. It was wow. packed. And we were planning an evening session, maybe, turn that date session. Yeah. But I mean, the PSYOP team was fantastic and making it all happen and yeah. working with us, and it was brilliant. The thing is that me, Georgi, and Felix actually never did anything, the three of us together. Ah. This was the first time. Yeah. So maybe we could have been a bit more diligent. Uh, but uh, it, was, it was interesting because we have a lot of interaction such as whether I'm working with a one-to-one -one or with a group. As a facilitator, my first question is, how would you describe your personality? Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, that's what you work with. You work with the self-narrative. So we'd ask a person, turn to the person next to you, how would you describe your personality for ah, a minute? Yeah. And then the other person needs to describe who they think they are. Yeah. And um, we also had like a competition for jokes, ah, all of the ah, best jokes. Ah, were there some good ones? Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, which one was it? <laughs> Well, it depends how geeky you want. If you want really geeky, it's like, why did Pavlov have self-care? Why did what? Pavlov have such soft hair? Soft hair? Yeah. I don't know. He conditioned it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's or, pretty good. Yeah, yeah or what, what, what else was, you know, um, how many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? Uh, oh, I, I, I don't know. Just one, but the light bulb has to really want the change. Bingo. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so it took done. me a second to remember, but I've yeah. So yeah, so we had this general, but uh, to me, uh, my favorite bit is the funny side of Big Five. Uh huh. Because we just go through all of the Big Five. So let's say when we talk about neuroticism, I say, okay, what do you think? What words come to mind when I mention this word neuroticism? Yeah. And some people go, you know, anxious, depressing, tra -ta -ta, and you go, yeah, yeah, negative emotional affect and all of this. But what's the benefits of being a bit more neurotic? As Bob says, you know, our more contempt ancestors get eaten. So <laughs> right, there right. are benefits to it yeah. uh, and uh, to anxiety. And for example, a lot of people don't talk about the negatives of having very low neuroticism. Because let's say if you're highly neurotic and you experience negative emotions more often and you're functioning, so have a job, friends, family, all that good stuff. So it means you're managing. So it's likely you experience negative emotions often. So you're likely to have coping mechanisms. You're likely to recognize negative emotions and work with them. But what happens if you're low on neuroticism? As uh, um, Gordy Curfee yes. uh, says that uh, um, uh, being neuroticism is the length of your fuse. So it just you, you can put up with more right, stuff right. before exploding. So what happens when people low in neuroticism encounter this? Well, A, they experience negative emotions, but A, they struggle to recognize them, even recognizing them, not mm. to mention coping with them because they haven't felt it before. And B, social support. Uh, their friends go, he'll be fine or she'll be fine yeah, because, yeah. you know, 
they'd be fine. There's yeah. a resilient one. Oh, it's so like the uh, little dog in the comic, you know? Yeah. Oh, this yeah. Is fine. It's fine. This yeah, is fine. Yeah, the yeah. fire surrounded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a low yeah. neurotic. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, yeah. Uh, and therefore, <laughs> we need to be aware of this more holistic perspective. Or, for example, if you're really low in neuroticism, you think a high neurotic is overreacting. So what do you say? You're overreacting. That person does not think oh, they're overreacting. Right, right, they are just right. reacting, man. Right, right. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's like when my wife says, you know, Nikita, stop being dramatic. I'm not being dramatic. <laughs> uh, you know, it yeah. causes the obvious, opposite effect. So, yeah, you know, yeah. instead of you're low neurotic, you can go, I see you're upset. You know? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So what can we do about this kind of thing? That's awesome. That's so, really cool stuff. And then we just go through all of them. Yeah, well, t well, tell us about conscientiousness, because that's, that's kind of a funny one, I think. Well, um, what do you think about it? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> well, what do I think about conscientiousness? Well, I, well, there's a lot we talk about conscientiousness <laughs> at Hogan. One, we talk about how uh, it's kind of a, a muddled concept from, from the Hogan's perspective, because we think it should be more narrow about rule following, right? So, obviously, there's you know, bright sides and, and, uh, and, and dark sides to rule following, right? So... Um, in fact, I remember some research several years ago, beautifully done research, um, basically replicating the classic Milgram experiment, you know, so they're doing, yeah. but it was a game show and it was done in France. It was a game show, but people were in the, but they didn't know, they didn't know anything about the experiment. And what they found was that actually people who are higher on conscientiousness were more likely to follow the experimenter's orders, more likely to deliver those electric. So if you're, if you're a listener who doesn't know what this is, I encourage you to Wikipedia, the Milgram experiment, and take a look. But but basically, they were giving elect. They were more likely to give electric shocks, and to, ult to ultimately, they would have killed the person. I mean, it wasn't real, right? But they ultimately would have killed this person if they were higher in conscientiousness. And that's not something we talk about. In fact, around here in the I/O circles, uh, we talk about how great conscientiousness oh, yeah. is. You always want to be more conscientious. Conscientiousness is so predictive of workplace performance. Here's a really clear case where that was. Bad, bad news. Uh, absolutely. And as Zimbardo says, all evil in the world starts with 15 volts. Uh, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, that was yeah, the yeah. lowest one. Yeah, that's right. I very much agree with you. I think there is, we shouldn't, um, I don't know, you can probably edit this out. We shouldn't fetishize particular aspects of personality, which I find yeah. we often do. Yes. Like, oh, conscientiousness, it's all good. Uh, yeah, rule following could be one of them. Uh, another one I always say is that, you know, the good news is that conscientious people can make themselves do stuff they don't like. Bad news, they can do it for a long time. Uh, uh, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I have, you know, you find out it's the wrong degree for you on the second day of uni, but you still finish it. Right. You yeah. know, just I couldn't right. stop. Uh, and with low conscientiousness, it doesn't mean, you know, I'm, I, I score fifth percentile on conscientiousness. It's not like I don't have willpower. I just have half an hour a day. Yeah. <laughs> so I need to be really conscious yeah, of yeah. when I use it. But the issue is that, for example, uh, when I work with clients on conscientiousness, they tend to be also m m feel more responsible. So, you know, when a person is on conscientiousness, they often think it's down to me, it's me, it's my responsibility, it's on my shoulders, and I need to do this. Even like the whole organization, man, they're like, right, it's on your shoulders, not to mention the team, you know. And low conscientiousness person, you know, when things don't go to plan, they go, high conscientiousness go, it's all my fault. Yeah. And low conscientiousness go, ah, don't worry, mate, stuff happens. Yeah. And the high conscientiousness go, maybe on your watch, sunshine, but not on mine. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and there's so much unconscientiousness that can be avoided if people just talked about it. Because low conscientious will wait till the... So if a high conscientious and low conscientious person is working on the project, the, and they go, okay, this needs to be done by then. The question is, after they come out of the project uh, meeting, who's going to start when? 
the low conscientious probably going to wait till the last right. day so they feel motivated. Right. Uh, you know, deadline yes. and all. And the high conscientious will start in the beginning. But halfway through the project, the high conscientious will start doing the project part of the low conscientious right. because it's not being done. Right. And then the low conscientious one gets to the project, high I done it all. The low conscientious is like, what, what the hell, man? And it's like, I was getting stressed out. And it's like, why didn't you tell me? You know, and, you know, I thought we had plenty of time, like three hours, man. Uh, so <laughs> that's plenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just by talking about this in a playful way, we can complement each other. Yeah, I think that's totally true. Well, Nikita, thanks so much for That's taking right. the time out Pleasure. to join us. Um, that was that was fantastic. And, and Ryan had been telling me he's like, "Hey, we got to get this guy on. We got to get this guy <laughs> on." I was so glad we made it happen. Oh, so. absolute pleasure. This has been the Science of Personality podcast, brought to you by Hogan Assessments. You can access all podcast episodes on our website, scienceofpersonality.com, or on the streaming service of your choice. See you next time.